So tonight I want to, to talk probably for the next couple of Bible studies on a new creation, a new creation. And I want to start with our mind. The Bible says that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. The attack today by the enemy starts with our mind. That's where it starts, with our mind. So I want, I want to go over tonight um, a little bit on a new creation. Ephesians 4.22 says that he put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the spirit of your mind. That's what we, we need to be is renewed in the spirit of our mind. So we're going to start a little bit of review and that's just to understand uh, the whole man. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify, that means separate, keep you holy. That means all of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. There is a, a whole body attack nowadays. He's attacking both the physical body, your, your spirit and your soul. And if he can get to your mind as well, amen. It says, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, in that uh, diagram I have on there, I, I have uh, a, a, a representation of how I, I see um, the whole man. First, we are in this body, and our body contains our soul. And uh, central to that, of course, is the Spirit of God. In the, in the Old Testament, we see that model by the Ark of the Covenant was the center. Then it, it, it went from there, went to the Holy of Holies, then the Most Holy. So we start with God being at our center. If God is not at our center, then we're going to have a hard time making it. Amen. We have to have God at our center. And if we have God at our center and inside us, the Bible says it's what comes out will def- defile a man. So if you have God at your center, what comes out will be the fruit of the Spirit. What comes out will be gracious if we let it. Sometimes we let the, the flesh take over and it's not so gracious. It's the words that come out are not so wonderful. I don't know who's playing the accompaniment. But if they could turn that down, please. Thank you. Um, so the, the spiritual model, we're talking about a new creation and how God makes us new. And so I want to again start at the beginning. And many of you have seen this before, but I'm going to take some time because it, it is important to understand how we're made and how we are remade. Because when we're born again, we are supposed to be a new creation. A new creation. And in the beginning, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And of course, we've taught that before, that the first part that was made was our spirit person, our spirit man, our, our true self, the thing that makes us unique, the thing that makes us us. And I represent that by a yellow egg just to symbolize it because you can't see the spirit, can you? Amen. But it wasn't, it was the first thing that was made and that was in chapter one. When it said God made us in his image, the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. Now the reason why I'm going over this, you'll see a little bit later why I'm going over the creation order. So God first created our soul or our spirit man. And then he created a body 
out of the dust that he had formed. And that's in Genesis 2. And when people read the Bible, they get confused because they see a creation in Genesis 1 and then they see a creation in Genesis 2. And without an understanding of what's going on, they think, oh, there's two creations. But really, they're not understanding that it took two parts, actually three parts to fully form us. First, the spirit of man, our own spirit, and then the body. And then God took that soul or spirit together with his covering and breathed. And we, I say that again in, Genesis, in, in John chapter 20, Jesus repeated it, remember? He breathed on them and said, receive ye the spirit. And that, that time we know what was said. In Genesis, it just says it breathed, and we don't know what the words were that were said, but it's revealed that God did the same thing. That's why we are born again. Amen? That's why we are born again. And so God breathed into his nostrils, and uh, trying to represent that there so that you kind of get a picture of what's going on. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And in the, in the Old Testament, the Ruach, that means the very spirit of God. And that's what made Adam a son of God. That's what made him immortal to start with. That was what made him um, a child of the king, so to speak. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, an incorporated soul. Now, it wasn't that he wasn't living before, but he wasn't in a bodily form. It wasn't in a bodily form. And then the part of the breathing that really caps it off is not only that, body and soul, but then God incorporated his spirit. And I'm trying to show that. So I believe that Adam glowed. That's why the Bible said that they were not aware that they were naked because they were covered with the glory of God. Amen. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now the difference, there is a difference. Because when Adam was created, when he received God's spirit, it covered his outside. Today when we receive God's spirit, it covers our inside. And the reason is, it's because this body is not it. God is not so interested in preserving this body. There is going to be a, a time when you may pray as much as you want, but God is going to say, it's time. You know, maybe it's when you're 85 or 90 or 100 or whoever, but there will be a time when God says, listen, you can't hang on to that model anymore. I've got something better for you. Amen. We, we talked about a little bit about that in the last few lessons. So the thing that he breathed was his word, because the Bible speaks about the word that it is spirit and it is Life. The words that I speak, when God breathed, it was the thing that brought forth life. Every time God said, let there be, something happened. We see the same thing in the New Testament when all God had to do, Jesus had to do, was says, Lazarus, come forth. And life immediately sprang back into the, into the body. The soul returned where it was. You know, now, you notice that the order of creation was what? What came first? The spirit, and then the body. So that's what's repeated today. Amen. So I'm going to repeat your question. So the question is, he, repeat, he created the spirit and then the body? 
it, it took his breath to make it a son of God. His spirit is what makes us, what makes us immortal. The Bible says that when we have his spirit, we're passed from death to life. And that's why when Adam sinned, what, what died was the spirit covering, God's spirit covering. So now it only left us being a body and soul, a body and a son of man spirit. But we were missing that third part, which makes us a son of God. So man would have been alive, but he would have been alive without communion with God. Amen. So that part is what made Adam immortal. That's what truly made us a three-part being. As the original scripture said, it said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Now, there was a reason that God did that in that order. And so today, when we are born again, it's going to be the same order. It starts with the spirit. We receive the spirit. But what are we waiting for now? The body. Do you see that the creation is repeated in the order that God th did things? He first created the spirit and then he created the body. It's the same way today. First we received the spirit and now we're waiting for the, for the new body. Amen. That's what the, the Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until he be endued with power from on high. Romans 8, 22. And I would have been quoting this scripture without giving it to you, but here it is. For we know that the whole creation groaneth. I think you have to be old to groan. <laughs> so I know I'm, I'm getting up there. Groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. All we have to do is look at the world and there's nothing but turmoil, and, and, and fear and uh, groaning, really. Even the earth itself is groaning, right? The, 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 the climate is changing. We're having more extremes than we've ever had. Now, verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within us, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. So, in the recreation... We've just passed the first part. God has given us the earnest of his spirit. So now we're waiting for the completion, which is the redemption of the body, to get back to where Adam was with the glorified body. But now the glory is hidden within. When Jesus went upon the mountain and he took his two disciples, the Bible said he unveiled and now he transfigured and the glory from within, he unveiled his flesh, so to speak. So now the glory is hidden within because God is not so concerned with this body. He just wants it to live long enough, either till his coming or until he gives you a new one. That's all he's concerned about. We, on the other hand, because we lack faith, oh Lord, I'm sick, please do it right now. But truly, if we understood that, as Paul said and as I've been teaching, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. The only sad part of the, about that is we, we are leaving all our friends and all our loved ones. But if they stay true, if they're born again, we're going to see them again. Amen? We must see them again. So now this lesson is about the fact that in the first creation, there was a process. The, there was the spirit, then the body, and then the covering. And right now we in the recreation. We have received his spirit if we've been filled. And now we're waiting for the last part, which is the redemption of the body. But the focus tonight is about our mind. 
Because that's what Satan is really after right now. If he can get to our mind. And it's, it's so easy for him. Because, to be honest, there's so many pathways in. All, all, all that has to happen is one little something and our whole day is ruined. And we're carrying, we're going around with a thundercloud. And I admit, I'm, I'm, I'm not any better than any of you. I'm not. I, it's so easy for, for him to use someone or some circumstance to just take away our peace and our joy and just mess up our day. The key, though, the key, though, to having a new mind is what John the Baptist said. Let's read it. John 3.27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness. They'd come to ask him, who are you? Are you the, the prophet? Are you the Messiah? Ye yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And it's verse 30 I want you to, to focus on. Imagine if this was our prayer every day. He must increase, but I must decrease. The more of me is involved in stuff, I'm going to make bad decisions. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm certainly going to mess up. That's why that should be part of our prayer. Lord, you take over. Just as how the Bible says that he, Satan works through the children of disobedience God wants to work through the children of obedience and to the extent that we let him that's how much we are in favor that's how much we get blessed that that's how much we are able to do his work but a lot of times we want to do it you ever seen a child struggle with something that you could do in a minute and you say just give it to me no they're struggling to open this thing and you're just standing there and you're frustrated and they won't give it to you and finally after they fought and fought and fought they come and they give it to you and you open it in about two seconds do you know that's us with God that's us with God so many times he would have solved our problem but we won't give it to him we, we say we do but we won't the, here's what the child will do they'll come in your presence and start to try and open it okay so you've seen me do it and you say give it to me no and they, they, that's us with God but here's the key to a renewed mind. I must decrease and he must increase. That's what we have to pray. Because the more of us is in stuff, at least with me, the more I mess up. The more my flesh makes a bad judgment, says the wrong thing. This is the key. The old thinking is all about me, I, and myself. That's what Satan's mistake was, right? He said, I'm going to be like God. But you can't be like God without God. You cannot be like God apart from God. The only way you can be like God if God is inside of you. Amen. So the old thinking in Isaiah 14, 13, he says, For thou said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne. I've said before, the worst sin may not be murder, may not be even rape. Because you can get forgiven for all those things, right? But pride, you may not even know you're proud. You know, you got your nose up in the air. I'm so much better than these people. <laughs> I know so much more than them. It's so easy to think, and, and, it's, and it's not even a conscious thing. And we may not even be aware of it. 
You see, and when you are not aware of stuff, you can't ask forgiveness for it. See, if you killed someone, hopefully you know you killed someone. You can ask for mercy. But if you're proud and stuck up, oh, I'm, I'm so much better than them. Who do they think they are? Don't they know who I am? <laughs> when they came to ask John, are you the Messiah? Are you some great prophet? Are you like Elijah? Now, he could have said he was in the spirit of Elijah because Jesus said that about him. He said, in fact, Jesus said something amazing about John. He said, of men born of a woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Imagine that statement. Jesus said of John the Baptist that of people that have been born up to that point, there was none greater than him. Yet look what John the Baptist said. I must decrease and he must increase. That's a lesson for us right there about renewing our mind. Whenever you start to think, you know, I'm pretty good. I got this worked out. Everything is so going. They really love that teaching. They love that message. That's when you got to go, okay. Whoa, wait a minute. Know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Know what happened to King Herod when he started to, to give a big oration? No, no, no. It's not about I. Ephesians 2, 3 says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh. You can almost always tell what someone is going to do in a certain situation. You know why? They always act in their own interest. So all you have to do is figure out what's best for them, and that's the choice they're going to make. So a lot of people are predictable. It's very few people that will be sacrificial for someone else. You know? Truly sacrifice. They'll, they'll do it when everybody's watching, like the Pharisees, to show, oh, I give tithes of this and pray in the marketplace. But when no one's watching, will they still be sacrificial? When no one knows that they did something, will they still have a mind to be humble? The old thinking, as an example by Satan, was it's all about me, I, and myself. It says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. This thing wants to be pleased. This thing wants to be patted on the back. This thing wants to feel good, like it's the best thing out. And we're by nature, the Bible says, children of wrath, even as others. So the first step on a renewed mind is to understand that less of me and more of him. Satan tried to be like God apart from God, but we cannot. The only way we're going to be like God is if we have him dwelling in us and then using us and manifesting through us and the start of that is when we receive the Holy Spirit it is the key to what the Bible says is regeneration there's a part of us that had died remember regeneration is all about something new there are a few animals that can regrow parts of them like starfish if you cut off one of the the, the stems it will grow back there are some animals that have the power of fleshly regeneration. They can regrow parts that have been chopped off. I think there's a, a lizard that can drop its tail, and it will regrow back. If something grabs its tail, it'll, it'll disconnect it, and it'll, it'll keep going because it wants to stay alive. Jesus said it's better to enter heaven with, with a lame or halt, a blind, right? Now, he wasn't saying that in the sense of, yeah, let's chop off a hand. He was just giving an example that nothing is more important than making heaven. The start of a renewed mind is when we get the Holy Spirit. It starts to regrow that spirit covering and, and, and sealing that we had or man had in the garden. 
Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Our best, the Bible says, is as what? Filthy rags. Our best supposed righteousness is as filthy rags. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. When we go down in that water, when we're baptized, that's the beginning of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs. I've been talking about that. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So becoming a new creation is, starts with the mind. First, believing and hoping, as I talked about Sunday. And then when we receive the Spirit, we begin that process of regeneration. New thinking. No more I, me, and myself. Now, many times when we have, uh, you know, the baby showers, they, they do that, right? You get these pins, and you're not to say I or something like that. And, and it's very hard to have a long conversation without saying I. But John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. If we, could, if we could pray that every day, Lord, you just fill me completely. You, you take away um, my, my choices. You work through me. You use me. My greatest prayer is, Lord, please change me. Because I don't like some of the things about me. You know, there's some things I still need to change. So becoming a new creation, you know, was, was, was initiated by the cross. We could not fully do it before now. You see... We're saved from my sin in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we're saved from myself. In the Old Testament, you were saved from sin by doing a sacrifice. But it really didn't get inside of you. In the New Testament, I'm saved from myself. Because most of the choices, is, it's really been me that got me into trouble. We are, we, the problem in the Old Testament is that I have sinned. The solution is that Christ has now died for me. And I died with Christ. That's what he says. We're, not only should Christ die for us, but we're supposed to die with him. That's what the scripture says. Paul says, I die daily. Amen. Have you died today? <laughs> Have you died today? Has there been a time when you, you, you didn't react something today and you just took a deep breath and... I'm going to be dead. Because <laughs> dead people can't shout back. You know that. You can kick a dead person. They're not going to move. Spiritually, when we're attacked like that, we should be in the place where we, we, we do not respond in kind. Because what the devil is trying to do is provoke us. That's what he's trying to do, provoke us. So the problem is I have sinned. The problem uh, was I was a sinner. Solution, Christ died for me. And solution is, I died with Christ. And the response is, receive Christ and his forgiveness. This is, a, this is all about becoming a new creation. And response, believe that Christ is my life. Amen. When Christ becomes your life, amen, then you're not looking so much at yourself. Paul said, it's not, no longer I, but Christ that lives within me. Isn't that what he said? That's my aim, to be able to say it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me because I've crucified the old man. The old man has a temper. I didn't know that. I thought I had, I had controlled that a long time ago. I thought I, for years, I really thought I was on top of my temper. And then, then a few things triggered me. 
And I realized, ooh, you better be careful. That part isn't quite dead yet. That part isn't quite dead yet, you know? We have to make sure that we die daily. That's becoming a new creation. We should be different than we were five years ago. Hopefully, things that used to knock you down and beat you up five years ago, you're able to do a little bit better. Because we're supposed to be growing. As I talked about Sunday, we're on what? A journey. I hope I'm not still in Heron. Heron is 100 miles that way. I, I hope I've moved along in the last two or three years. I've learned a few things. God has taken me through some things. Has God taken you through some things in this last couple of years? Amen. Maybe it's sickness he's taken you through. Maybe it's relationships he's taken you through. Maybe it's dealing with some financial circumstances he's taken you through. That's all about becoming a new creation. Amen. By grace I am forgiven. By grace I am given a new life. Because it's unmerited. All we have to do is to believe God and then be obedient to his word. And then he will give us the grace. We see that so many times in scripture that people who you think they could never be forgiven, never have a hope, God does a miracle for them. The the woman caught in the very act of adultery. There was no doubt she was guilty, and yet Jesus was the only one who wasn't prepared to throw a stone. Amen. He showed grace and mercy. Even in the Old Testament, we see David, who did some terrible things. But when he repented, when he he, he penned that beautiful psalm, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You see, we're talking about regeneration. It's not that we're perfect, but we go on to perfection. That's all about coming, becoming a new creation. So the problem is I have sinned. The solution is Christ died for me. And then the response is we're to receive Christ and his forgiveness. And then when we accept it by grace... I'm forgiven. And so through faith I say, thank you, Lord. I accept your forgiveness. Now that's hard. That's hard because the devil wants to say, well, yes, but you did so and so. You know you, you, know you messed up over here. And that's, that's, that's right there. In the Old Testament, David said, my sin is forever, right? It's ever before me. Now the cross is supposed to be ever before you. Because Jesus said... It is finished. Amen. Satan will want to put your sin in front of you and make you uh, paralyzed, make you uh, not want to come to church, make you want to give up. In the Old Testament, David, as I said, he said, my sin is is ever before me. In the New Testament, it should be Jesus who is ever before us. If I look at my mess, I'll never make it. We're talking about our mind and being a new creation in Christ. We have to really put that stuff down. In grace, by grace, I'm given a new life. And I say, thank you, Lord. I accept that Christ is my life. Amen. And my life is hidden in him. In the, in the creation, we see how it worked. It started out with the spirit being put in a body. As I said right now, we have the spirit being put in a body. And we're waiting for the redemption of this body. All of you who are over maybe 40 or 50, uh, you've experienced some, some wear. Even if it can't be seen. I remember going to the chiropractor once and he took an x-ray. Of, and he showed me my back and he said, you see here, all these little stuff here, that's wear. And I was going, what? <laughs> yeah, that's wear. They can look at that and tell how old you are. They can say, well, you, your spine is of a, 
of a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old because it wears away. See, this body is going to decay. But the Bible says that I have a, a place prepared. Amen. Because we're talking about a new creation. We have to let our, 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 our flesh die. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Here's the scripture I was quoting. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Really, we should be the dead men walking. <laughs> we should be dead men walking. As far as being able to react to Satan and his temptations and his lusts. We should be dead men walking. But, the, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. What does he mean? He means, he, he, what Paul was saying is, listen, I still mess up. But by faith, I believe I'm already forgiven. Amen. Not that I am perfect. So he said in Romans 7, that with the inner man, I serve God. He said the outer man, it said, it can never be subject to the law of God. And that's why God has got to let this flesh die. It's only us that want to keep it going. You know, there's a point when you have a car, after you had about maybe 200,000 miles on it, that it starts costing you more than it's worth keeping. You know, every month something is now, oh man, the radiator sprung a leak. That's going to be $350. You fix that, then the next thing, the brake line starts to leak. At some point, you realize it's not worth patching it up. See, God has got something so much better for us. God has got so... Why I'm smiling is because um, they sent my wife the car dealership. You know, they're always trying to get you to come in. They sent this, this pamphlet saying, Come on in. We have this brand new car for you. And we'll, we'll take your old model. And we'll only give you, you know, like one point something interest rate or no down payment. And they try to make it so tempting. But we want to hold on to the old vehicle. Because we don't want to give up, give up the old vehicle because we don't even see the other one. This is all I have. But the Bible says here, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. It's hard if you have a conscience to love yourself. Because you know what's wrong with you. Or at least a lot of stuff that's wrong with you. And so... A lot of times it's hard for us to forgive ourselves. But we can't look at ourselves if we want to have a new mind. We've got to be looking unto Jesus. Amen. Amen. To live with Christ then, my old self has to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. This is what Paul is saying in the modern translation. So, you get it. so he says, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That's how I live. I don't live because I'm perfect. I don't live because I'm so great. I live because he said that by believing on him, he would take away all my sins. Do you believe that? Amen. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Romans 6.1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? It's not an excuse to continue in sin though, right? That means we can't plan to sin and think that God will forgive us. That's not what he's saying. It's saying, if, if just in the Old Testament as we taught, if someone kills someone by accident, they could run to the city of refuge. And what God is saying, listen, because you're in this flesh, someone will say something, and before you know it, you blah, 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 back at them. And you say, I wish I hadn't said that. You know? You ever said something you wish you could take back? 
You know, because your, 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 your flesh reacted faster than your mind. <laughs> and you, you, you gave them back a piece of your mind and you shouldn't have. But Paul is saying, you know, that if we deliberately keep on sinning, that's one thing. But it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? It's, it's the difference between passing through and camping. And you know, I've told this story about the, which I stole from, from T.D. Jakes about the lamb and the pig falling in the mud, right? They both fall in the mud, but the lamb is trying to get out. The pig is saying, ooh, this feels good. <laughs> now they're both in the mud, but the attitude is completely different. And that is what God is looking at. Not that we're not going to mess up, but what is our attitude? Are we, are we repentant? Are, is our mind conscious of, of, of our mistakes? Are we submitting to God and saying, Lord, uh, forgive me. I'm going, to, I'm going to be trying some more. I'm going to come back to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, to try and, and walk worthy of the calling. The Bible tells us that we have to have the mind of Christ. Be transformed and renewed in your mind. Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. I think the greatest thing that hits me about Jesus was when he washed his disciples' feet. Think about that. The creator washing his creation's feet. Now, when last did you go out in the road and pick up a squirrel and start cleaning it? No. You wouldn't bother to do that. No. Or worse still, uh, a pig. No, because you know what they're going to do as soon as you wash them? What are they going to do? Run right back into the mud. Sometimes I think God must be tired of cleaning us. Because we run right back in the mud. Amen. Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Probably the greatest or one of the greatest influences with God is humility is not taking his glory he said he would not what share his glory with another but made himself of no reputation I'm talking about a renewed mind Satan is attacking our mind in all kinds of ways to take away our peace to get us distraught to get us depressed to, to just get us in an anxiety state so we don't even can sleep so what I'm trying to tell you is the first thing is that we have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, you increase, let me decrease. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Amen. The direction of our renewed mind is going to be different from your old mind. Amen. The things that used to attract you and, and make, I mean, um, if you're a grown-up, Hopefully you don't want to play with um, some, you know, blocks anymore. That shouldn't be interesting, you right? Um, I was teasing my grandson uh, this weekend because there was a little, one of those things that you press and it spins around. And for some reason, everybody wanted to play with it. So, you know, he's 10. And I saw him, are you playing with that toy? Who, me? No. <laughs> no. It was just happened to be there and... You know, but a lot of us, we go back to playing with the world in things that should not be attracting us. 
But if we were to humble ourselves and let God move in our lives, it says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. The key to a renewed mind is what John the Baptist said. I must decrease and he must increase. That should be our prayer every day. Because the direction of a, of a renewed mind is that our affections, where we're looking, where we're hoping for, is in a completely different direction. Colossians through 2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, that means kill, therefore, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. What's inordinate affection? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, something that's not normal that you're totally eaten up with. That could be sports, where you live and die the basketball or the football. You can't be on church on a Sunday because it's the game. Inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry why does he have that why does she have that remember what John the Baptist said no one can have anything except God allows it amen and what's for me is for me you can't have it and what you have that's from God I can't take it away so there's we don't have to worry about what someone else has amen if our mind is renewed and our affections are above then we're not focused on the, the earthly things. Yes, God knows we need food, we need shelter, we need transportation. But he promised us. He says, are you not more than these, these, these sparrows that are sold in the market for, you know, 10 cents? Are you not worth more than that to God? Yet your heavenly Father knows when every single one of them falls to the ground. He said, your very hairs of your head are numbered. And so we do, we, we, try and take on. We're just like the little child trying to open the thing and God is sitting there patiently saying, when are you going to turn to me? When are you going to give me this problem? When are you going to trust me? It's when our mind gets renewed. A direction of a renewed mind is going to be different. It's going to be changed. Amen. We're first renewed in the knowledge. Colossians 3 says, but now we also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that he have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And I think one of the greatest things that Paul said, which was near the end of his life, and I've said this before, when he was a prisoner in Rome and facing execution and had done all these great things, had been in the been an apostle for 30 something years started all these churches been on three missionary journeys he says in Philippians 3 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death what a what a what a statement what a statement he was saying listen I don't believe I'm all it yet there's more for me to learn there's more for me to understand I still have some growth. There's still some, some, some uh, ways in Christ I need to, 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 to go to. He says, it's not as if I have achieved, but I press towards the mark of the high calling. This is a fight. It's not a cakewalk. Amen. It's not you become a Christian and everything becomes roses and, 
and, and, and, and, and honey falls from the sky and there's gold laid at your feet. No, that's when we get over there. Over here, we're on enemy territory. It's a fight. They're going to be shooting at you. Take cover. Amen. Armor up. Amen. And have your mind renewed. Amen. If you could stand. This week is just the foundation of what I'm going to be teaching on a new creation. Of course, you've heard this scripture before. The behavior of a new mind. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I told you the story of this guy who was failing at school and messing up and everything. When he took the sat, somehow they sent him this humongous score. He got 1,400. And he just believed it and started to achieve, started to go to school. Everyone said, well, see, you must be smart. You got 1,400 on the SAT score. And just him thinking now, yeah, I can do this. He started achieving. And he left school, started a business, became a, a fairly wealthy man. And then some years later, like about 13 years later, they had done some investigation. And the, the board from the SAT sent him a letter saying there were 13 scores nationwide that were mixed up. And you actually scored 700. <laughs> Do you think he cared at that point? See, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, my parents, or at least especially my mother, made a big mistake, and that's why I have to fight against it. She told me I could do anything. And for a long time, I believed it. You know, it wasn't until I got probably in my late 30s that I began to understand, wait a minute, this wasn't me, it was God. And then I realized that all the things he was doing was him. I mean, he's done such spectacular miracles that I can't even tell you some of them. I really can't. He is so good. Amen. But she had me believing that I could. God is doing the same. He's telling you, yes, you can. Because I am an ever-present help in time of trouble. You're not alone. You have the God of the universe behind you, in front of you. Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy shall what? You know who is good? You know who is merciful? Surely God shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. What I'm trying to end this with is the behavior of a new mind is believing that God loves you. And that despite all the things that are happening, that's just Satan's attack. And that through him, we win in the end. Amen. The transformed mind, Romans 12, 2, and this is the last, last slide here. And be not conformed. Don't let the world pressure you into conforming. Peer pressure is the most, one of the most powerful molding forces. You know that? Especially with teenagers. So these people have to get tattoos. Everybody has to get it tatted up. Not because it does anything, but that's to look to fit in, right? And, and I, I wasn't immune to it. I was wearing platform shoes. <laughs> Some of you may not know what those are. I remember I went to a service once and I got preached on. The preacher really laid into to, to, uh, platform shoes. So. But I had a reason because I needed to be a little bit higher. I, I, thought, I think I needed a little bit of a, a lift. Amen. But here is my real plan. I got a new body. Amen. I got a new body. 
The transformed mind does not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it starts by saying what John the Baptist said. He must increase and I must decrease. And that was by a man who Jesus himself said, of, of the people that have ever been born. Think about this statement that Jesus said. Of, he said, of the men that have been born, there is none greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist could have rightfully gone, see, I'm really something. I was chosen to prepare the way. I was chosen to be something special. But no, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. Amen. When we get that mind, we've begun having a transformed mind. And when we do that, the Bible says that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we start to have a transformed mind, God will speak to us and we'll know what to do. We'll know what choices to make. If we, if we don't have a transformed mind, we'll go by what's fashionable, what just feels good for our flesh. That's why the Bible says that when we pray in the spirit in tongues, the spirit maketh intercession and groanings, for we know not what we ought to pray for. You know, we pray for the obvious things, but that may not be really our problem. That may not be our issue. That's what the spirit, the, the Bible says that when we pray in tongues, it says the spirit maketh intercession but we don't even know what we ought to pray for. That's the beginning of a transformed mind when we become humble and when we say, Lord, you take control. Hallelujah. Amen. We need a transformed mind. Amen. And I believe that if we will just walk this week and when we wake up tomorrow morning, say, Lord, I must decrease and you must increase. Amen. Who will pray that prayer tomorrow morning? Amen. Let's try that this week. Let's try that this week. You must increase, I must decrease. Get rid of me and my flesh and my desires. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts right now. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Let it find good soil. Lord, we ask, oh God, that as we come to you, Lord God, that you will increase. You will uh, decrease our flesh, Lord God, that you will lead and direct. You will cover us. You will restore us, oh God, that we will be able to find your will, that we will prove what is that good and acceptable will, Lord God. We thank you tonight for your mercy and your grace and your love. Use us this week to lead others, to pray for others, to encourage others, to lift up others. Lord, we ask for your blessing on our life, oh God. We ask, oh God, that you use us in your kingdom. We thank you for all that you have done. And we lift you up and praise you and honor you in Jesus' name.